Welcome to Standout Life, a podcast dedicated to living boldly amongst the busyness. My name's Ali Hill, and as a psychologist, it's been my profession to connect with people's stories. And when you think about it, it's the conversations that we have with ourselves and with others that truly shape us. It's through exploring these stories that we start to find a pathway around the magnificent and the remarkable question. So what does it actually take to live a standout life? Throughout this podcast, I sit down with influential women and a few good men and we chat about how they live a life of purpose while still making progress. We dig into their stories, both the successes and the struggles, and in doing so, we get some amazing insights into what it takes to live big and ultimately how they've found the wins in this crazy, busy world. So let's dive deep into what it takes to live a standout life. Multi-award winning journalist, 23 years as a senior journalist with the Canberra Times, convener of Women in Media Canberra, founder of women health charity Send Hope Not Flowers and lover of all things cheese and butter, Emma McDonald shares insights about the importance of creating reset rituals, what that means for her, the difference between personal courage and professional courage and how sometimes that personal courage is some of the hardest things that we have to do. For her, it meant leaving a 23-year career. She also spoke a little bit about the wisdom of our sister wives, the people around us who are going to encourage us to step forward and challenge us when we need to be challenged. Sit back and relax and enjoy this episode with Emma McDonald. There's so many jumping in points that I want to have a chat with you around. But one of the things around this podcast is around how do we live boldly in a really busy world? And I reckon one of the first things we need to do is actually find those moments to hit reset amongst the busyness. Now, your career has been exceptionally busy. What are the ways that you have found that you've been able to hit reset? I think the biggest strategy that I've employed, and I really feel it has saved my mental health uh, since I've had children, is that I have been lucky enough to be able to scale back my crazy full-time job to work four days, and I have Fridays off. So for me, Fridays are my reset button. Mm -hmm. I can catch up on all the stuff that just got shoved to the side um, during the week. I can just, some Fridays are even crazier than a Monday, than work Tuesday, days, Wednesday yeah. or Thursday. <laughs> but I, I also feel I'm more in control and Fridays are for me. And even though I do do some work that's carried over from during the week and I do some um, charity stuff and there's all the usual demands, I just feel that um, there are things that I'm doing um, in my own time and space rather than on the on the clock for Fairfax or um, you know that the the sense of motivation is coming more from within me yeah. rather than than um, acceding to demands from from elsewhere so so you're actually having that really sacred time at the end of the week it's, yeah it's, and sometimes um, I will walk up Mount Ainsley which I just feel so I always feel so good the whole week is better if I've been able to do a long walk. And most importantly, for someone who loves uh, dairy products, cheese and butter, <laughs> I go to my favourite cafe and I just have a really quiet lunch by myself. I yep. love to eat by myself. I really enjoy my food. Um, I usually put the phone down. I don't even read a book. I just be. Yeah. And um, has, 
that have you had to learn that or is that yeah 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 and the older I get and the more demands on me the more important it is and sometimes I just don't want to talk to anybody because (laughs) it's all I do is communicate yeah and I have so many people talking at me constantly and now I have electronic talkers you know I've got people talking to me on social media constantly and um I just want some peace and so really to have some alone time another thing that I think is so important as um a woman and a mother I don't get any time in the house by myself so on a Friday I can just if I want to mop the floors I can without little feet you know, coming straight back on them. <laughs> Making them I dirty va- again. I can vacuum if I yeah. want, if that's what gives me a thrill. Um, you know, I'm yeah. not saying that I want to spend my Fridays doing housework, but I can also just throw myself on the sofa and oh, not yeah. have a little body. Um, I'm so with you on that. Like, on I top love, of me. <laughs> yeah, it's like people don't. Uh, yeah, I being at home on my own just because I love the space where we are. Yeah. And, like, and I know, yeah, you, you do as well. And so having that space, which is just yours, even yeah. just for a couple of hours. Yeah. So take me back. So obviously having Fridays off has been um, such a sacred thing for you. Did you have to negotiate that? Was that a, a conscious decision to go, you know what, for me to actually turn up my best at work, I need to have that? Well, it, it happened when I returned to work from maternity okay. leave. Yeah. And um, I was asked to to go back full time and I just realized that it wasn't feasible and I made the decision that the financial side of things that my sanity and my children because ultimately I do it so that I have the mental capacity to adore them for the entire weekend I pick them up early after school my children are are in long care till five or six o'clock at night Um, you know they have been since they were little they go to school full-time so they're exhausted so on a Friday um, you know I pick them up early and we have um, we have time and I feel that I am open to lavishing them with affection because I'm not feeling completely drained yeah Um, I've been able to sort of top up um, some energy and some desire to outreach um, you know the rest of the world when um, I've had just a few hours just to go internal a bit. So that's um, that's it's been. I've I've had Fridays off for as long as um, as long as I can remember now. So you know, for ten years I've got yeah, a ten year old son. So yeah, it's I don't. Um, and the new job that I'm going to, I've negotiated to continue that. So yeah. for me, that would be the one the one way that I've been able to do everything I do um, is by having a safety valve. And it really is some weeks it is so crazy that Fridays are crazy, but at least I know that um, it's not going to be a crazy weekend because the guilt that I feel um, when I'm working over the weekends, which is really the only time we get to be a family, um, that that is not worth any job or any amount of money to me. That's what that's what really brings me undone. Yeah. So it's still such a powerful place to get to. Like even when you say that's come off because of maternity leave and yet so many I think of us don't make that conscious choice to actually go, no, for me to turn up at my best mm. and really But get I care. understand that for a lot of women it's not an option. You yeah, know, they for ha- sure. they can't their jobs aren't they don't have that flexibility mm. financially, they can't um, they can't lose that day's salary. Yeah. Um, so I feel really privileged to be able to manipulate yeah. my circumstances 
um, to fit in. And I don't know how women with children, especially young children, but even older children, I keep hearing that, you know, older children require as much, um, you know, dedicated parenting as, as when they're really young and needy. So, I, I don't know how women work five days and then have a weekend full of all the commitments of, of yeah. you know, modern family life. I, it just, it's too much. It's, you know, it's frightening yeah. for me. And I think part of that is knowing yourself and doing it your way. And I think we all, you know, finding our way and navigating. But yeah. when you know and you go, actually, you know, for me, that Friday is... Sacrosanct. Yes, sacrosanct. It's yeah. the thing that I have to do in that space. Yeah. So you've had such an amazing and long career and in getting into kind of Canberra at times. So journalism, was journalism always on journalism the cards? Journalism was always on the cards. And, yeah, it's, it's strange. You've got me at this amazing moment mm. in life where I've just walked away from um, Fairfax and that day-to-day adrenaline rush of the media. But I am going to something that's going to be, I think it's going to have the same rush and it's still a writing job with her Canberra, but I think it's not going to have that frenetic, um, crazy, insatiable appetite for hard, brutal news. And that's what I found really exhausting towards the end when I started to think about what it is that I want to do for the next 10, 20 years. Yeah. Um, it's brutal. Yeah. It's brutal. Frontline journalism is just relentless and brutal. Yeah. So delve into that decision to leave because 23 years is a huge amount of time. Um, how How did you come about and was that a hard decision it to was, get to? It was so – I don't even know how I'm – in this position because I was just happy going along doing it and then and then you know Fairfax is going through restructures and they announced a program to um, shed staff they offered voluntary redundancies and I just stopped and I've never I've never taken a redundancy before and they've done it you know many many times and this time I just stopped and I thought do I do I want to keep doing this is it is it making me happy? Is it what I want to keep doing? Yeah. And should I be really brave and just think about doing something else? So it sort of coalesced and um, it was a very slow burn. And and then all of a sudden, I just, it's like you are on one side of the fence and then you just think and your thinking just switches. And all of a sudden I was on the other side and I was like, I have to leave. I can't right. stay. I can't do another 23 years. I can't do another one year. I can't yeah. do another six months. Um, so it became really obvious. It was, and then I was like a woman possessed right. to get out. I knew. <laughs> and then yeah. I knew I would have left even if they hadn't um, let me go. I just would have walked out the door. So, right. yeah. But to Fairfax's credit, they, um, you know, they did. They were very kind, very supportive, um, very sad. I had mm. a beautiful farewell. I leave with, you know, the best memories. And I've had a really psychologically, it's been just a wonderful chance to say goodbye yeah. and to go feeling valued and to go with many, many friends and so I don't feel wrenched out of my family because when you work yeah. such an incredibly demanding job, yeah, yeah, I've done everything at Fairfax and the Canberra Times is just my, it's where I've always wanted to be. So to be able to just walk away gently and calmly and in a dignified manner um, with lots of love in my heart for the place has been it allows me to just move forward um, in a more happy, you know, grounded manner. And I'm just 
so excited to be doing something different and I feel I feel like a child you know I've got everything in front of me and it's really exciting so I would say that being brave and courageous and taking a leap um into the unknown yeah Yeah. everybody says that it's good everybody that I speak to (laughs) says you should do it you know be bold be courageous make a change change is good and yet it's the one thing that has terrified me to the core and yet now that I've done it I'm, I'm with them. It is. Yeah. Life is too short. The universe has this amazing way of providing. And if you just, if you back yourself and yeah. you, yeah, be brave, it can, you know, it can yeah. be a fantastic outcome. So It's that hindsight, isn't it? It's being on the other side of the fence. It's not knowing. Yeah. Knowing. It's not knowing how you're going to land when you tip, when you reach that tipping yeah. point. And it's <laughs> terrifying. It's terrifying to have your entire axis upon which you rest your identity, your professional yes. identity, your your income. Yeah. Um, you know, to be a journalist, to be a mm. Fairfax, Canberra Times news reporter, senior reporter on the front line. You made it. That brings, yeah, yeah. it brings a lot of um, gravitas. So um, to, to walk away from that is actually takes like, quite a bit of guts. But, yeah. you know, hey, I'm now Brave. associate editor of Her Canberra doing something really different and really fun and it it paid off so I yeah. I really I I am I, I'm a convert I'm one of those people that will now say <laughs> get out and do, do it, it. Yeah. just do it just do it yeah. don't think too much about it just do it and it will somehow all work out which which sounds completely empirically stupid but um yeah <laughs> it's no sounds, I think well it sounds like a meme right <laughs> I kind it of does. think it's like one of those quotes but it is God, sort of it's, it's yeah it's like totally. an Instagram post yeah. from early in the morning all those you know get out just and do, do it. it yeah it's yeah. yeah sometimes I think oh for heaven's sake I'm you know I'm yeah. living I'm living a life I yeah. don't need that sort of but I think it's also silliness. seeing the bravery because I imagine 23 years of journalism you would have had to be pretty brave in some of the conversations that you've had you would have had to be pretty ballsy in some of the things that yeah. you've done and so courage is not new to you yeah. um, but often it can feel very personal when it you know as opposed mm-hmm. to courage in the job and this is actually my role there's in what difference I do. there's such a difference between having professional um, courage and yeah. professional confidence and having personal courage and confidence yeah. about a life change so professionally mm. I know I'm a great journalist I know what I do is unique and I do it well and I have absolutely no qualms about being a journalist but I was also very comfortable in yeah. doing something that I'd done a million times before and um, I'm not entirely comfortable doing something new so yeah. that's 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 the issue it's not that um, I don't know that I can do it. It's just I'm doing something different and yeah. it's in a different workplace and it's in a different structure and it's in a different, it's just a completely different yeah. um, and scenario. And as you say, t- so connected to your identity. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about this new transition, where the, the new role that you're stepping into with Her Canberra. Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's the dream role. It's just to write. Um, they have, so they've got a website that's, you know, ticking over constantly during the day and a huge network of um, people expecting news and expecting, um, you know, quality content. But they also produce um, a suite of um, publications, a beautiful magazine that, um, I remember first reading it and just thinking, oh, 
a local magazine in Canberra, we don't, you know, we don't have Vogue and we don't have Marie Claire and we don't have Elle or InStyle. We had pretty much nothing. And now we have a local magazine that's a bit of, it's fashion, it's food, it's women, it's, um, you know, movers and shakers, it's interesting, insightful articles. And holy crap, I I'm going to get to write for it and help create it. So it's funny because my husband's always said you should work on a magazine. That's where your heart, your heart of hearts is in that side of things. And yet you work for a newspaper that, you know, and I had tried at the Canberra Times to get onto a more, more of a lifestyle footing, but I was always, you know, always required to do the hard, the hard, brutal news. So, um, it's just, it's funny, isn't it? But this, yeah. is, this is what I get to do. Because Canberra is um, in your bones. You were born here. You were really passionate yeah. about it. I've heard you talk about Canberra in such glowing. Yeah. So to step into this space, I can yes, feel Yes, exactly. For me, for me to do a local um, a local role in more of the magazine realm is just perfect because I would have moved to Sydney long ago if I really wanted a career in magazines, but I really want a life in Canberra. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a Canberra girl and Canberra means everything to me. And also I'm, I'm raising my children here and my husband works here. So yeah. um, it's it's like the magazines come to me. It's just, it's just a bizarre confluence of events and I get to be part of it. So yeah. that's what's um, hugely exciting. Yeah, so that's what's on the other side of courage, isn't it, is these opportunities that yeah. you wear. I know, I almost collide. have to pinch myself that <laughs> it's true. It's Yeah. I've, yeah, yeah. I've, I've loved that side of things, but it's always been outside my actual work realm and now um, now it's going to be my bread and butter, what I do every yeah. day. So um, Exciting. It, yeah, it does, it does make a difference if you are settled and grounded and um, – emotionally and spiritually and aesthetically connected to what you're doing you know hugely so, difference yeah. Yeah. yeah what you end up bringing to that piece is such a difference yeah yeah, yeah. so I want to ask you obviously you've been in media for a long period of time um, you would have had to put forward and I know you've had some really award-winning articles and some really hard-hitting lines that you've had to take and when you put yourself out there and we're seeing more and more in this digital age uh, the capacity of trolls and anonymity to really cut people down very very personally and very very Mm. harshly Um, have you had that experience and also how do we even if people aren't putting themselves out there on the media often to live a standout life we've got to put ourselves out there and we're open to critique how do we how do we deal with that critique and criticism? Um, well, I could say you've just got to brush it off and keep perspective and literally not even engage with it. But having said that, I am the first person. Um, I had the chief minister, you know, go me on Twitter over a really big breaking news story about a massive development in Canberra. Right. And I thought, why are you getting personal on Twitter? You know, you know me. Just pick pick up the phone and call me. Yeah. And I just couldn't let it rest. And so I ended up, um, I tried to contact him and he didn't return my call. So I ended up writing him a long letter saying, I really want to call you out on the following. Um, I don't think it was fair. And let's not engage in on Twitter. It's just, yeah. and he wrote a, a really lovely letter um, back, you know, all credit to him saying, um, we're going to have to agree to disagree on the main points, um, but you know it's always good to have the conversation. So, 
I just hate the cheap, nasty, you're not there in front of me, but here's your Twitter handle. I'm just going to say what I think without connecting to you as a person. And I have always been so conscious. Never, never write it down. No matter, I can have some pretty venomous thoughts run through my head on (laughs) many issues and I'm never short of an opinion. God help us. If I put all of that out on the interwebs, um, I mean, I'd probably be behind bars um, serving (laughs) some serious time for for defamation. But yeah, yeah, and it's also just nasty. If you don't have a, a nice way of saying something, don't say it. We're all people. Let's have some common decency and respect. I just... You know, it just exasperates me. And yet sometimes I get so, I'll read something on Facebook and I'll get so irate about it. And I'll think, you know, I'll sometimes I'll write it down knowing I'm going to tap, 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 delete it. Yeah. Um, I My default position is do not press send. Do yeah. not write it. Do not commit it. Say it. Say it in your head. Say it to a friend. Write it down in yeah. a diary. But why we think it's okay to attack people personally for their opinions and views um, it's hard. Just walk it's away harsh, and don't yeah. read it. If someone's being inflammatory and ghastly, why would you waste time? Yeah, I think, I mean, in that? hindsight, you can look back and go, it's such a reflection of them and, and not yeah. of you. But in the moment, it can be. The- it can be deeply hurt. I know, I just remember sitting and reading Twitter when um, this this incident happened and my, um, you know, my heart was pumping, my I, f- I felt sick. I just thought, why? You know, that's really mean. Why are you being cruel? Mm. You know, I just didn't understand it. And um, I'm sure he thought I was being cruel to him. But, um, yeah, I just, and it, I mean, I've had, I've had many exchanges on many stories from yeah. many people who, you know, it's the cheap shot. You know, they attack the masthead. They don't agree yeah. with what I've said. Um, so I just... I have to move on, but it does. It hurt. It hurts. It, it, yeah. I, I don't. I don't have an ability to just roll with it. I. Um, I. Yeah. I think it's important to keep. Keep our message out there, though, and not, um, mm. not shut down just because of that feedback. Yeah. And I think sometimes that- it's hard, though. You just think, oh, I know this is going to open an oh, huge yeah. can of worms. Am I prepared? And that's one thing I've had to many times I've had to say I owe it to the readers. Mm. I owe it to myself. I owe it to the person I've interviewed. Um, I owe it to Canberra to, to go there. And, yeah. It, yeah, that's one thing I won't miss about um, the uh, Canberra Times is those nights where I've just lay awake in bed knowing I've got a front page splash and that all hell's going to break loose in the morning. Yeah. How many, how many out, how many years have I aged just, you know, getting, and also <laughs> yeah. the online, um, the, the iPad goes live at midnight. So I just, you know, it'd be 11.50, 11.55 and I'd wait, you know, wow. for the irate press secretary yeah. to call or for someone to say something or for an email to be shot through. And there's just that sense, you know, it was yeah. a, this, this pressure and. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that that's, you know, that's no that's going to be in the past for a little bit. Yeah. 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 Um, but I think still putting ourselves out there, whatever realm, um, we, Mm. yeah, many people don't because of that concern Mm. of, of what, well, many people do. And then they just, they just, it get, the pressure gets so, so bad that they, 
you know, delete every account, they just go missing in action or they do something silly or, yeah, it's it's really, mm. it's a really serious issue. Yeah. So. I think having the courage to kind of step up and put ourselves out there, one of the things that helps us do that is to gather our tribe, the people who are completely mm. in our corner, those people that you can ring at one o'clock in the morning when you've had those kind of Twitter yeah. um, back and forths and they really ground you and bring you back mm. together. Um, do you have those people in your life and how important has that been I so have those people I have many many amazing amazing girlfriends um, you know sister wives who are there for me and I think loyalty and understanding you know just the most important important things that you can um, give as a friend and that you can receive as a friend so yeah oh I've had um, you know two women that I can think of in particular have kept me absolutely sane particularly (laughs) the last few months when my head's been going every which way and you know I walk into work and burst into tears because I can't imagine you know not doing it or I have to clean out my desk or yeah those um, moments yeah those Mm. moments where it hits you in the face and um yeah they're very very special and um also they tell me what I don't I don't know at the time that I need to hear it, but once they've said it, I'm like, yes, they deliver wisdom in spades and they can turn my um, attitude around. And when I'm feeling really negative and self-indulgent and letting it all be overwhelming, they will just give me a reality check and I can walk away with my head held high going, they're right, they're right, and I trust um, their opinions. So, um, But having said that, I I have a kind of a small network of really trusted my inner circle and, of course, my husband, my partner in life who um, knows me better than anyone, and he's the one that tells me not what I want to hear but what I need oh to hear. Oh, my God. I've got one and of those too. That's yeah, sometimes <laughs> so I just great. want to punch them yeah, in the I face. Know, it's right. like, have a little compassion. <laughs> I can't believe. Right. Just give me half an hour to cry and then I'll get on with it. But it's perfect, isn't it? Oh, that's Sort yeah. of, in a way. Yeah. He, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, and he's like that with our children. Sometimes I just crumble inside. I just think... <laughs> Let him, you know, let yep. Thomas win at chess. And he's like, no, I don't I don't want to give him a win. I need him to, you know, do <laughs> it's it It's a good himself. lesson to learn, yeah. He's, he's pretty fierce and strong. And um, for, for me, because my character is so, I know I can be so overbearing. I am yeah. a strong and forceful personality. And to have a husband who can, you know, repel my worst excesses. Yeah. And I can't manipulate him. I can manipulate plenty of people in the world, but <laughs> he's got your yeah, number. Yeah, he's right? totally got my number. Um, so it's been a really valuable partnership. Yeah. Um, and I know that I've contributed to to um, to him just in. Um, supporting him when he's been filled with self-doubt and you know I've always had faith so I think between the two of us we've been able to work through some really um you know tricky tricky situations in marriage you know there's a there's a whole other aspect of life and I remember before my mum died she said two things that were really important she said first of all there's no shame in divorce which I think is a really if you feel that for whatever reason it's not working yeah. you do walk away um if if you get to that point but the the more salient um lesson that she um left me with with was that 
marriage takes work every single day. Yeah. You have to invest in it. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's that daily reminder, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And if you have a good marriage, then I think, you know, I think from the from the central point of a strong partnership, everything else can be um, can be handled. Yeah, yeah. And I've heard you talk about your your mum and just what a powerful influence she's yeah. been on in your life. Tell me a little bit about, about her and her influence even now. Well, my mum was a single mum. My dad left the marriage literally just before I was born. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never lived with my dad. Um, I, I see him a, a little bit now. Um, but it was always just my mum and me. I don't have any siblings. And I guess... It would follow that uh, we would either love each other or hate each other because right. there was no there was no alternative. It was yeah. just the two of us, um, you know, isolated in Canberra. Her family's from Queensland, so right. yeah. it's you know it was just us. And the the miracle was that we just adored each other right from childhood. And I remember my godmother, who was my mother's best friend when I was a young child, she said. Um, when you grow up, you will want to move away from your mum. And I said, no, I'll never move away from my mum. She said, no, no, it's quite normal. You grow up, you want to distance yourself and you've got to be prepared for that and yeah. you want to do your own thing. And I said, I was vehement because that's my personality. Yeah. I said, I will never want to move away from my mum. I will always be with my mum. And sure enough, when I met Paul, we wanted to buy a house together. We bought a house within 600 metres of her house. Right. I saw her every day. I We would phone each other, you know, multiple times a day yeah. um, when she was really ill. If our house had not been two-storey and completely ill-equipped, um, you know, I would have nursed her from home. I mm-hmm. We were just – she was everything to me, so – um, I'm just I just feel so lucky that I had such a beautiful mum and she was just she was kind and gentle but um, she had incredibly high expectations and I think yeah. that was good because I always wanted to meet them and yeah um, yeah I think that's what I will do with my what's what I instinctively do I mother my children in a very similar way to yeah. the way she mothered me and I have high expectations for every aspect of their lives, but I also um, I adore my kids, and they know that I, um, you know, I'm there for them, absolutely first and mm. foremost. And no job, no nothing, nothing would um, would ever outweigh my commitment to raising those guys. And yeah. you know, that's I guess that's where my my issues come in because I'm trying to live a productive life and do a million things, but I'm yeah. also a mum first and foremost. Yeah. And so passionate and that legacy of your mum yeah. and that experience you had and wanting to pass that on. Yeah. yeah. I actually thought I'd be a crap mum, but I, I, I'm not. <laughs> I think I'm we really all have those good. moments. Yeah, right? I just, I had no idea yeah. and I wasn't expect. I really wasn't expecting to have children. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't part of the plan. So to find myself with two of them, um, it's, yeah, but it's been profoundly the best thing I've ever done. I yeah. can't, I, I think if I could give um a talk to every um high school or college student in Australia I would tell tell them the males and the females that you know children don't don't ever they're too young to really put it in perspective but don't ever make decisions that would rule you out of parenthood because it is so profoundly yeah um enriching and really 
having a baby, you know, it's the best thing in the world. It's nothing, amazing. Nothing beats it. Nothing yeah. beats it. And also when my mum was on her deathbed, all the jobs, and she'd, she'd worked really hard and had some amazing jobs and amazing experiences, mm-hmm. that that was all but a distant memory. Yeah. And what was in front of her by her side holding a hand was a daughter who felt completely blessed to have had her. So I... You know, those are lessons that are very, very close to the surface of how I live my life and it's all yeah. over and she died and there was nothing more and that was that. So I only have a certain limited number of days on the earth Yeah. and I feel that weight of mortality very, very strongly. So yeah. that propels me to, you know, just go that extra mile in whatever it is I'm, I'm trying to achieve. That perspective of, yeah, we're only here. For yeah, a period of time, it slaps you in the really... face once you've once you've been, you know, with someone as they take their last breath. Yeah, it's over. It's just, um, it's such a profound yeah. um, experience to be at that moment where a life is over, mm. and it it changes the way you think about everything. Yeah, so. yeah. I similar experience with my mum passed away from cancer as well, and but I think it's that it's almost this energy that comes with it and I can see that in you as well it's yeah. like okay let's That's rip it. into this life exactly yeah. yeah it is it is a it is a change in perspective and you don't um my husband's the same he lost his mom to cancer and we recently lost his sister to cancer and he's like we've got to do it so yeah we're the couple that will you know we buy tickets to every music concert that yeah, comes great. to Australia we will drive to Sydney you know after work go and see a concert get home at 3 a.m <laughs> just because you this know is the life. life is too short you've yeah. only got today so yeah I think it's great that I'm sharing my life with someone who is um in that same moment and it's funny when um when you mentioned how we um, we sort of sabotage our um, enjoyment of the moment by thinking I haven't set, you know, I haven't cleaned my house or I haven't yeah. made everything perfect. I'm so far beyond that. Yeah. I, I'm like, whatever it is now, right now, that's, yeah. that's it. And we have to just fill up this moment and um, take it in and make sure that there are some great things on the horizon to look forward to and to reach for and to strive for. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Otherwise it's just a waste of, you know, so many wasted lives, so many people living half-lives and feeling they're not in the job they want to do, they're not they're, mm. they're not raising the children they want to raise, they're in a marriage that they don't like, yeah. they're, how, you know, their house is... You know, for women, have, having control domestically is a huge issue and, yeah. um, you know, it sounds really trite and trivial, but, you know, living in a house where you're not in control, where it's, you know, a yeah. mess and you can't find stuff and you're not happy there... I, I can't live like that. I My house is my home, is my castle, is my sanctuary. Yeah. I, you know, I make sure that it's organised and that, you know, I love to cook. I need to have food in the fridge. These are sort of mental um, requirements for my, um, you know, my, my well-being. And yeah. I, I spend a lot of time and effort making sure that I am living every day not thinking about a dirty house because it's not dirty, it's organised. Yeah. And, um, yeah, some nights I get to bed at 2 a.m., but um, I that's, yeah. that's the price I pay. I'm eternally busy because I am eternally living it as yeah. best as I can. Yeah. And doing that because that's your passion and really interested rather than doing it because I think we should. Yeah. Um, You've got to have an energy, and if you don't, it, it, 
if you're not passionate about um, whatever it is that mm. you're pursuing, it, it, it can just be hard. Yeah. I think, and I've certainly come across a lot of women and some very um, high level in leadership roles. One of the ways that we can kind of sabotage our own happiness and, and success is saying yes to everything. Mm. is that it's almost that people-pleasing kind of concept where if I say no, I won't be held up in high regard or maybe they'll stop asking me and that will be almost like social suicide. Um, How do you kind of cope with that? Is that something that's tripped you up from time to time? Um, And do you have maybe one or two strategies that you've seen where maybe you have gone around that or is is it a lesson that you're learning? I When I turned 40, so... Prior to turning 40, I said no to many, many things, not because I was too busy, but because I lacked confidence. So Mm. speeches, events, promotions, I was like, no, and I didn't have a problem saying no. So when I turned 40, I thought, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to have a year of saying yes. So it was my big social experiment because I'm given to good social experiments. Love it. And I said yes to everything. And all of a sudden, the terror of giving a big speech dissipated and after the year I thought well this is how I mean to continue I will say yes to everything now yeah five (laughs) years on yeah five years on it's backfiring a little bit because there is now we've reached a point where I can't physically do all the things that I would like to do and I find it really hard to say no I don't want to disappoint people I am so trained to being open to new experiences Um, But just this morning, someone wanted me to get involved with a really worthy cause that would be, you know, a public role um, with media and speaking and that sort of thing. And I just calmly said, no, because I can't. I'm about to start a new job. I've got a million things on the boil. I said yes to some incredibly exciting, wonderful things. And when you say yes, the opportunities just flood to you. So... That was my um, that was my revelation that once I started saying yes, it just I don't think I'd be here now. I would not be here now had I not decided at the grand old age of forty yeah. to turn my life around and just do something different. Yeah. So, um, but in terms of saying no, um, I think the guilt of feeling committed to something that I'm not keen to do um, is is worse than the feel the the brief pang of regret when I mm. have to let someone down and letting this person down today was it was absolutely fine she was understanding yeah we'll still be friends <laughs> I'm helping her find someone else yeah. but yeah but some, okay. some, day, some days I find myself doing a ridiculous amount of legwork for other people just because they don't know quite what to do or they just they just, I don't even know how they do it, but they just sort of fob it off onto me. And I, suddenly I've got a task <laughs> that goes on my sacred to-do list. And I'm like, how this did this is, happen? Yeah, yeah. Why, why am I finding you a guest speaker for your event yeah. that it's not even my, you know, I've got two, th- I've got a charity and a women in media that need constant attention. Why am I bothering finding? Yeah. And I do it because I just think, oh, well, you know, I suppose. Yeah. So yeah. those are things mm-hmm. I, I, I could, in that moment. I, yeah, yeah, my strategies are not are not working yeah. entirely well, but um, they're just being firm. And also, I think it's like a band aid. You just need to rip it off. You need the yeah. first word out of yeah. your mouth needs to be "I'm terribly sorry, but no." Yeah. I think if you say, "Well, look, I'd love to," blah blah blah. There's an in, and people will just exploit that and yes. keep trying. 
and try and talk you around. I yep. think if you're just really firm, right, if it's a gut instinct, no, you don't you don't want to do it. Yep. It's not that you can't make more time for things, but there are some things that are just not worth mm. um, worth your time because you don't feel completely passionately engaged. And you just have to say straight away, it's not something that yeah. you're going to be pushed on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't hint. Just just yeah. because you can doesn't mean you should yeah. do it. Yeah. So you mentioned the charity. I want to hear a bit more about Send Hope Not Flowers. Where did that come from and what is the charity about? That came from, um, well, it's a maternal health charity. So when someone, so it started with a really simple idea. When someone has a baby in Australia, rather than sending a bunch of flowers to hospital, which is what we all do when we spend, mm-hmm. you know, between 50 and 100 bucks on a bunch of flowers, you jump online to our website, which is www.sendhope.org, and you order a card. Yeah. Um, and the card goes to the new mum, and it says, in lieu of a bunch of flowers, I've made a donation to help another mother have a safe birth yeah. somewhere in the developing world. So in countries such as PNG, one in, in some areas, one in 17 women having a baby will die one in 17 so it's that's crazy an astounding yes yeah. yeah, ast- astounding amount of death an astounding um, amount of babies you know potentially born without a mum to you know the outcomes for these babies yeah. are horrendous so yeah. my obstetrician after I'd had Amy um, he was talking to me about how um, he felt that something needed to be done, how he lay awake at night, you know, fretting over the the continual poor uh, maternal health uh, ratings in Mm. in countries such as PNG um, and Indonesia and the Solomons and, um, you know, Timor and everywhere. And he said... Um, I, on my hospital rounds, I see all these flowers and they just get chucked in the bin. You know, they yeah. literally do. Flowers are beautiful. I'm not anti-flower, but yeah. you can't carry a newborn and your bag and 10 bunches of flowers yeah. out the door. And they do die, you know, yeah. after 10 days, um, yeah, they're, they're gone. Impact. So we, so I, I came up, even though I was, you know, had a newborn to contend with and I was a bit sleep deprived, I it sort of came to me, send hope, not flowers. And once we had that tagline, mm. it sort of coalesced around that. And um, the other thing that we say is um, send hope, not flowers, because flowers die and women giving birth should not. So, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, it, yeah, it just took off. So the first year was a year of complete not having the faintest idea, like being passionately propelled to do something and yeah. yet literally not knowing it was caught to look back now it was comical how completely ill-equipped we were oh. to think that we could start an international maternal health but that's charity. exactly the way it should have been set up <laughs> it's just i've got a great idea yeah Let's see where yeah this goes. well the idea so we just started slowly you know talking to people and getting advice and the idea always always resonated with everybody we yeah. spoke to but the actual concrete steps of going through and, you know, getting charity status and all the paperwork and, you know, getting a website and getting branded and finding out who's working on the ground in these countries. What are we, what are we going to do with the money we raise? I mean, it's all very well to take people's money, but then you've got to make sure that you're actually doing things that are worthwhile and making a difference. So it's been the biggest journey, absolutely the biggest journey I've, I've been on bigger in many ways than journalism because I'm not a doctor. It's not something that I, um, you know, we've been at it for six years now. And um, And are you seeing the impact? Have you heard some amazing stories? Well, one of the very first 
programs that we got involved in and interested in was funding a Dr. Barry Kirby in Milne Bay Province in PNG, which is one of the most remote group of islands. Um, and um, Barry was a 40-year-old carpenter in PNG when he helped a woman by the side of the road and she later died. And he thought, he had a moment, he thought, either I just keep building houses or I go back sell everything I own, yep. enroll in medical school in Australia. So at the age of wow. 52, story. he graduated from medicine and he went straight back to PNG. So yep. he is an obstetrician and he went, um, did this, it took him a year and he went by boat, by seaplane, trekking through the jungle. He went to the families um, who had lost women in childbirth and he tried to work out what was it, what was the biggest impediment to them surviving Yeah what should be a straightforward um, process and he um, I mean they're all they're all competing reasons but one of the, the main the main thing that it put it down to was that women were not coming to their nearest health center they were attempting a village birth without any assistance with right. people often on their own and when he asked them why it was that they weren't coming um, for a supervised birth, it was really simple reasons. They didn't want to leave their village for a couple of days. They didn't have any money for the health centre. They didn't have money to feed themselves while they were away yeah, from their okay. subsistence rural village. Yeah. And also they were ashamed of their poverty because they had nothing for their babies. So to cut a long story short, he came up with the idea of a baby bundle, which is a baby bath with a few basics, you know, a singlet and... Um, um, reusable nappies, sanitary items for mum, a sarong, a towel, a sheet. Yep. You know, really basic. The money, the the five dollar cost to to cover them um, for the health centre and for for food. And when they come down from their villages, they get this gift. So it's gone off because yeah. the men love it, the dads love it because the the wives aren't a financial drain on them. Yeah. The women love it because they're getting something. And last year in a peer-reviewed medical journal, that intervention, the 5,000 baby bundles that we funded, and they're only $28 each, wow. had lowered the death rate in that province by 78%. Wow. So I just if, goosebumps. That's I know. Amazing. If I get hit by a bus tomorrow, yeah. I'll know that I've done something amazing. Yeah. Like, how can you compete with yeah. that? That's yeah. astounding. So if you know someone who's giving birth, they can get onto your website, send home not flowers.org um and and Mm. donate rather than give flowers yeah and we've now got you know get well cards birthday cards mother's day mother's day is our big you know celebrate your mum by helping save the life of another mum the mums love it yeah we've had all of our cards redesigned and our website redesigned by a gorgeous just in this very suburb that we're in in canberra by a gorgeous um graphic designer paper cut that that have done done the work for us pretty much pro bono um so it it looks really great so even even if you don't buy a card just have a look on the website and just see some of the work we're doing and spread the word that's that's all i can ask amazing amazing so i want to come full circle part of this podcast is that the conversations to live boldly and bravely in a really busy world Um, and it's called standout life so if i were to offer that up to you what does it mean for you to live a standout life (sighs) it's um, well, I, I actually feel completely compelled to live out a standout life. Um, I think, I think all I can ask of myself 
is in the morning to get up with passion to do things during the day, whether they're for my family, for myself or for Canberra, which is the community that I want to serve, um, to do them with passion and to just give it the best I can. And um, in order to do that, I am increasingly realizing that I need to also be nurtured as a person and that I'm not a machine. And so in order to stand out and to do what I can for the women and the babies that my charity assists, the women in media that I work for and the Canberra community that I'm trying to better inform, you know, I need to be on an even keel. So I'm not saying that I do that every time, but I really, um, you know, I'm getting really a lot better at working out what it is that I need as a person. And I think the passion just comes naturally because, you know, I guess both of our experiences losing our mums, you know, I'm acutely aware that every day is an opportunity not to be missed. So, yeah, yeah, I really want to stand out. I don't want to just live an ordinary life you know, pushing one foot after the other and the weeks merge into months, merge into years and I I'm doing something that, you know, doesn't doesn't move me one way or the other. So um, you know, I feel I feel really privileged to have the opportunity to do some great things and um yeah, I, I like to feel excited every day. And also on that point, some days it's okay to get up and think the really the thing I'm <laughs> gonna do today is schedule an afternoon nap. Yes. There's no I love there's that. no shame in that. No shame. No I shame in it. a nap. I love myself a nap. Yeah. Always. I love that. It's the <laughs> the passion and looking after you. Emma, it's been beautiful to chat. Thank you for connecting today. Thank you. If you've enjoyed today's episode, then there's every chance that you might also enjoy reading a copy of my book called Stand Out, a real world guide to get clear, find purpose and become the boss of busy. You can grab a copy by heading to my website, www.alisonhill.com.au. If you liked what you heard in this episode, I'd love it if you could take a few moments, pop over to iTunes and give this podcast a quick rating so that we can continue to share these conversations with people around the world. As always, I'm Ali Hill and this is Standout Life.